Welcome to the Mission Gathering Thornton Sermon Cast. This week, we wrapped up our series on Elijah with Pastor Lauren sharing a message about how God empowers us through prayer and spiritual inspiration and doesn't necessarily solve all our problems in miraculous fashion. Let's listen in. I was, uh, well, this week, with our nice weather, we were taking our kids to the park one evening, and uh, Lexi especially likes going to the park, but she doesn't like actually going and playing with the the equipment at the park, you know, the jungle gym, the slides. She likes just playing with all the nature stuff at the park. So like the flowers, she'll pick the flowers, uh, she'll pick up sticks, she creates her own garden. I mean, if you go to this park near her house, you could, you know, there's usually some like evidence of Lexi just like making gardens and stuff in the park. And this last time we were there, uh, she was playing in the mulch, right? And she started picking up the mulch and kind of building a fence around her garden and then, of course, Jackson comes in, little, our little boy Jackson, he comes stomping in, and obviously Lexi was not pleased. And I tried to remind Lexi, hey, this is what little boys do. Jackson's only, you know, a year and a half, 19 months, whatever. He doesn't know better. Uh, and then I, I reminded Lexi, I said, yeah, this is what little boys do. I did this when I was a little boy. Uh, so yes, I was a bad brother when I was a little boy. I actually have three sisters. And they had, when they were we all playing with their Barbie dolls or what have you, I had uh, G.I. Joe. Did anyone have G.I. Joe stuff growing up? Okay. Sean, do you have G.I. Joe? Okay, that's what I had. Uh, I don't remember, I had this like, I'm not sure if this was their color or not, but I had this plane, it was like a yellow camouflage. I had this plane, I had this like helicopter that you kind of had this toggle that kind of make the, the, whatever you call it, spin, rotor spin. But I take my plane, I, I need to look online to see if I could find this plane again, because I really liked it. I just kind of fly it in there, and I drop my bombs and blow up my sister's, like, Barbie sets. They were not, they were not real happy with that. And yes, I was not a great brother, but, um, you know, hey, it was just me. I was the only boy, and, you know, I had a, I have a dad, <laughs> I have a dad, but my dad was most of the time working nights. So most, most evenings around the house, it was just me and my three sisters and my mom uh, home at night. So, I mean, not only did I have to compete with three sisters uh, or compete with a lot of Barbie dolls, but I also watch a lot of chick flicks. So all, like, the clean uh, 90s chick flicks I've seen. So, like, uh, Runaway Bride. Any fans? Runaway Bride, While You Were Sleeping. Um, what else? Miss Congeniality. I mean, that was kind of like borderline for us, but it's <laughs> congeniality. I guess they're big Sandra Bullock fans. Um, but those same viewing habits extended into our uh, TV watching as well with shows like uh, Dr. Quinn. Anybody remember Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, Early Edition? Anybody remember Young Kyle Chandler? My sister was a big fan of Young Kyle Chandler in Early Edition. Uh, but we also did have, you know, I, I wasn't all suffering because we also watched uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. And he walked her Texas Ranger, and I always imagined myself as, you know, try to do those spin kicks. I'm not going to attempt it, because I'll probably just mess something up. Um, yeah, I was hoping Bill would be here, because I could have him, like, come, like, do a bottle cap challenge, maybe on our lights. But, but the, the show that my family watched a lot, and they were particularly fond of, was Touched by an Angel. This is not a great picture, but does anyone remember Touched by an Angel? Yeah. So, uh, it was starring... Uh, Right there in the middle, Roma Downey as the angel Monica. Her supervisor on the right, Della, was it Della? 
Del Reese's test, right? And then what was this guy's name? The angel of death? Anybody remember? Something, right? So obviously, you know, it had religious overtones. It was family friendly. And for a, a Baptist conservative family, my, my parents loved it. And we watched a lot of it growing up. And basically the plot of each episode was that Monica and Tess were sent by God to bring a message of love and hope for people at crossroads in their lives. So uh, <laughs> this is the funny thing. It's kind of good that I'm standing in light, right? So basically like at every episode, there's kind of this like big reveal where it's like, you know, Monica is just like a normal person talking. And then all of a sudden she's like, ah, you know, light comes shining on her head. And she's like, I am an angel sent by God to let you know how much God loves you and cares for you. So then everything would be wrapped up, everything would be made nice, and then they'd drive away. Does anyone remember the car? Anyone remember that car? I guess it's a 1972 Cadillac Fleetwood Eldorado. So it was a nice car. I don't have a picture of it. Um, you know, first of all, I think many of us would take that car. And I think how many of us would love to have uh, things work out that nicely in real life, right? If only like, just an angel of God would come fix all our problems, and then we'd be set for life. And while we might say to ourselves, it's only a TV show, right? I mean, it's only a TV show. I think in many ways, it's kind of what we, we, what we expect from God. Like if we're faithful enough, if we're, if we're dedicated enough, if we pray enough, God will show up and fix things. Whether it be a mess of our own doing or the mess caused by another, we can just pray to God and trust God to fix it all. And I think in some sense that kind of absolves us of responsibility. Um, so back in my early 20s, when I, had the, when I had the time and the energy to involve or to engage in like, you know, debates and uh, heated conversations with people, now I'm just like, now I'll just do it. No, let's be honest, I just do it. I just do it on Twitter, right? So I can just not have to actually engage with people. But back in my early 20s, when I actually had uh, friends, <laughs> so back when I had people to engage with these conversations with, um, I found myself frustrated and perplexed by people who could just kind of wash their hands of any regret or emotion about all the pain and injustice in our world. Like, they, 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 just, they just say something like, you know, that's just, that's just how it is. It's just the result of sin in our world. They just like, there's nothing we can do. We just have to pray for God to change hearts. And as I found myself just unsatisfied uh, by the answer, like, all we can do is pray, just, just be, just, just kind of be whatever when things are wrong in our world and seeing all that suffering and just kind of be like, whatever, God will fix it if God wants to. And I just wondered, like, is that, is that really all we can do or or more, is that all God asks of us to do? To just sit back and wait for God to do something? You know, in the, in the past few years, is, and especially in the social media world we're in, and in what seems like tragedy after tragedy, many have begun to, begun to push back against that, you know, thoughts and prayers mantra. And while, you know, many of the responses on social media have been mocking and irrelevant about, you know, the thoughts and prayers. I think there are some who are uh, seriously think, like, there has to be more we can do than just thinking and praying about these victims. 
And I think they wonder, is there more that God wants us to do? Which I think really is the big question. Are we simply to seek God when pain, suffering, and injustice occurs? Or does God seek us to be part of the solution? I mean, I'm all for thoughts and prayers. Don't get me wrong. I am all for thinking about people and praying for people. But is that it? Is that enough? I invite us to look at the, the scriptures this morning for some, some guidance on this. So we're wrapping up our series on Elijah, faith in the desert, and how to live a life of faith in those desert times in our lives. Last week, Nellis did a great job about talking about Elijah and the rain, and she told the story about how Elijah went through this whole dramatic encounter with the, the prophets of Baal and had this big, this big uh, uh, I don't know, battle for whose God was the best and who's the biggest on the Mount Carmel. And he won, and he, he won the challenge, he defeated Baal. And then he goes out, and he, he says, rain is coming, and there's this little cloud, and it comes, and it, it ends the drought, and it's a big victory for Elijah. And as the rain begins to pour, he kind of rolled up his sleeves, rolled up his pants, in our, we might say in our modern vernacular, and he runs off to see the king and the queen, Excited, I guess. Excited, I'd imagine, saying, well, I just had this big victory. Rain is here like I'm on the top of the world. Elijah should be on the top of the world. <laughs> but when he gets there, things did not go as he expected. So I don't know what, what, what Elijah was expecting, whether a warm acceptance or maybe, maybe a public repentance from, uh, it was King Ahab and uh, Jezebel, right? Was the wife, the queen? But whatever result he was expecting, I mean, he did not get. And instead, when he got there, they threatened to, to kill him. So he did the obvious thing, and he ran into the wilderness. And he was obviously quite bummed, you can imagine. I mean, again, after this huge victory on Mount Carmel, after the end of the drought, like we have to wonder what was going through Elijah's mind as he ran back to see Ahab and Jezebel. I know if it was me, I'd be like riding on a, I mean, in a big endorphin high, right? Ready to conquer the world. And he gets it. He gets there and it's just the opposite. Like, was he expecting God to have fixed everything? Was he expecting God to have gotten rid of the king and the queen? For God to have solved all his problems? But obviously, it didn't happen. In our text this morning, we see what happened. It says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. Go ahead. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So many the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Not very kind words, not a kind greeting. So Elijah... He was afraid, and he got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. So he got up, he booked it, and ran out of town. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat underneath a solitary broom tree, sat by himself all alone under the broom tree, and he asked that he might die. Read this. He says, it's enough, Lord. 
Take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. It's enough, God. Let me die, is his words. I mean, wow, that is depressing. And as sudden, as dramatic, and despondent as it sounds, it's not likely that unfamiliar to us. Maybe we haven't wished death upon ourselves, but we've probably been there at this the top of a spiritual high or a personal high or a professional high, and all of a sudden things just come crashing down. And whether or not we wish death upon ourselves, we wonder what the heck is going on. Why are we here? Where is God? Why hasn't God fixed things for us? Maybe you're here this morning and you've been in a similar place where Elijah's at. Having been taught to expect something spectacular from God, for God to just fix things and then things don't get fixed. Maybe it's with something in your life, an addiction, a struggle, a disease. May it's something in the life of your family, dysfunction, discord. May it's something in, in your broader community, injustice, violence, hunger. And like Elijah, you've been faithful, you've been dedicated, you prayed and you prayed and you prayed, and nothing. And what makes it so hard is so often Christian leaders say, that's enough. Like, you just got to trust God, you just got to pray, you just got to pray, you just got to pray. Again, I'm, I'm all for praying, don't get me wrong, I am all for praying. But when things still aren't better, when things aren't fixed, and you're ready to give up, your issues are still there, your family is still in discord, your community is still suffering from injustice, I mean, at least if I can be real, like, maybe you all have experienced, but I've experienced this, we're just like, I'm just like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm ready to quit, I mean, this morning we were out in the lobby talking about shows we watch, I mean, We've been watching, Karina and I have been watching season three of Handmaid's Tale, which, that's a bummer fest. So don't get into that if you don't want to be bummed out. And man, after a few episodes of season three, I'm just like, I can't, I can't deal with this. Like, this is too depressing. Elijah was in that place. But there's more to this story, so let's go on. In 1 Kings, again, chapter 19, verses 5 through 7, So he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. So he looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came to him a second time and said to him and touched him, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. So again, Elijah lays down, goes to sleep, is awakened by an angel, gets up and eats. Cycle repeats itself. Sleep, awake, and eat. But interestingly, the angel says something that I find intriguing. Otherwise, the journey will be too much for you. Now, I know when we hear that word angel, we think supernatural divine being. We think touched by an angel. And maybe, maybe that's what it was. Probably what it was. 
But I think it's important to realize that at its most basic meaning, angel means, the word angel simply means messenger of God. So a messenger of God came to encourage, strengthen, and sustain Elijah. That messenger of God didn't fix all of Elijah's problems. He didn't solve everything. But God gave Elijah what he needed to keep going. See, this is the thing about God. God doesn't fix everything for us. You're like, what? God doesn't fix everything for us? I mean, I'd love it if God did. I believe God gives us what we need to fix things for ourselves, and sometimes God gives them to us in ways we don't expect. And that's important, and this is where the, the messenger of God comes in, because sometimes God will give us those things we need in ways we don't expect. An angel, a messenger of God, might come to us in a form where we don't recognize, in a form we're not familiar with, in a form we don't expect. And that unlikely angel will come to you when you say, I am not enough. And God says, with me you are enough. When you say to yourself, I can't keep going, God says, here's, here's something to sustain you through the journey. And when, when you say to yourself, I am all alone, God says to you, like God said to Elijah, there are still 7,000 following my ways. So that's what happens later in the story is God and Elijah kind of having this interchange. And Elijah says, I'm all alone. I'm the only one left. And God says, there's still 7,000 following my way. Now, many think, kind of as uh, I think Nels alluded this to last week, numbers are important in the Bible. And the 7,000, who knows if there's literally 7,000 people still following the ways of God. Maybe there's 6,999, right? But seven in the Bible represents a complete number. So I think there's something, something here that God is saying there's still, there is still enough. There are still enough people following my ways. The point is that there's many people still seeking to follow God to encourage and inspire you to keep going. And I think that's important because uh, as much as there are people interested in helping us out, man, I really think there are people interested in just tearing us down. And in, you know, we call ourselves a progressive church, and in progressive churches like ours, we don't really talk a lot about Satan, the devil, whatever, whatever we call evil personified. So whatever you believe about evil personified, I mean, I think there are real people, real forces, real things looking to bring you down, looking to discourage you, to alienate you, to defeat you. To get you to think there's nothing you can do, that you're helpless, that nothing can change. But, man, it's a lie. It is a lie from the devil, if I can say that. I mean, it's a lie that you cannot change, that you cannot get better. It's a lie that your family always has to be stuck in turmoil. And it's a lie that there's nothing we can do to help the injustice in our world. And this is the thing, like, that's bad enough on its own, but the real problem is that uh, these people, these things, these forces, they don't want you just to think that there's nothing you can do. The problem is uh, they want you to think there's nothing you need to do because if something needed to be done... God would do it. And since God doesn't do anything about it, then God doesn't want us to do anything about it. 
There are some things, without getting too specific this morning, there are some things in our world that God is not okay with. And the thing is, this is important, the thing is that God is trying to do something about these things. But God is asking us to do these things. We're the one that God is asking to try to do these things, to do something about these things. When we see injustice in our world, when we see suffering in our world, when we see hunger in our world, God is trying to get us to do something about these things. God invites each of us where we're at. It invites us to live and love in a way that is congruent with God's will and way. I think, we have, I think we have this idea that God is just kind of, you know, sitting up in space, looking over into the world and kind of like picking and choosing what problems God's going to fix, like picking who God's going to be nice to, uh, picking and choosing what tragedies to fix. So when we see suffering at the border, when we see hunger in our own community, when we see violence, we're just thinking, well, I guess, I, guess, I guess God didn't choose to fix that, so we don't need to worry about that. But it's in that pain, it's in that injustice, it's in that tragedy that God is asking us, God is inviting us to make a difference in our world. And again, as Nella said last week, thoughts and prayers are great, but so often they are missing that last step, acting, acting in God's will and way. I'm reminded of another uh, 90s memory. There was this Christian band called Audio Adrenaline, and one of their songs they had, I want to be, they say, I want to be God's hands, I want to be God's feet. I'll go where you send me. I mean, God is sending us to be God's hands and God's feet in the world to make a difference. When we see injustice, when we see suffering, when we see wrong in our world, God invites us to go and be God's love and compassion in the world. But we can't do it alone. And this is why places like Mission Gathering Christian Church matter. As I've said before, I believe God is made known, God acts in unity in community. Where the spirit of discouragement seeks to tear us down through our faith community, God builds us back up. When the spirit of isolation seeks to alienate us, church is here to bring us together and find community and support. Where the spirit of destruction seeks to keep us weak, God is here to give us strength and to strengthen one another. Just like Elijah, God gives us what we need to continue on the journey. And I believe it more than ever. Life is a journey of following after God's way. To keep working, to keep acting, keep making God's love known. The world can be such a tragic, discouraging painful place. But when we seem, when we feel like we're all alone, when it seems like there's nothing more we can do, when it seems like all is lost, God comes alongside of us, gives us strength for the journey, and encourages us to keep at it. Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you.
we're not alone. There are still many with us. So keep going, keep acting, keep loving, keep working. God is with you and we're with you. Amen. Hey, thanks for tuning in with us this week. You can check back for new messages each Tuesday. If you're in the Denver area, come see us this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times as well as the mission and vision of M.G. Thornton at mgthornton.org. That's M-G-T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N dot O-R-G. See you next week.